Hey, this is Keith. I'm the pastor of Blaze Church. Welcome to our podcast. I know today's message is going to inspire you, encourage you, and lead you to know God more. If you want to connect with us, visit us online at blazechurch.org. Enjoy today's message. Oh, it's coming up on a year since we've been meeting here at the Moose Lodge. And how many are just grateful that we're able to do this each week? Grateful for our setup team, our teardown team. How many are also grateful that at some point we're going to have a permanent building that's going to be life-giving and a facility where Jesus is going to be proclaimed? Man, just keep praying with us. Pray with your leadership. We are getting excited about what God is going to do. And uh, he's just got a big plan for the east end of Long Island. Well, today, as I said, we're going to be um, thanking Drew. And so that's why we've gathered here this morning. Give thanks to Drew. Uh, that'll, that'll make sense in a little bit. Um, but I do want to ask you a question that I want you to consider and just kind of, you know, answer in your own head. You're going to have to think through it and maybe write it down. And if you're new to, to church or new to Jesus, maybe today you'd even say like you, you haven't yet put your faith in him. We're praying that today you would, you would realize how much he loves you. But here's the question that I think all of us can answer in some way. Who brought you to Jesus? Who brought you to Jesus? Think through that question, write it down if you want, but we all have people in our lives who in some way have brought us to Jesus. Maybe for you, it was a, a praying parent or grandparent. How many are thankful your parents prayed for you? Especially in those hard years where you're trying to figure life out and they just kept praying. Maybe it was a close friend or a coworker that invited you and said, hey, why don't you come out of church with me? Or I want to tell you about God's love. If you spend some time thinking, you will have an answer for this question because every single one of us were brought to Jesus by somebody. In our small group this past week, my group had the opportunity to share what we're calling our gospel stories. And it was just so beautiful to sit there in a room with people and everyone sharing how they came to know Jesus and be saved by him. And the common thing in everyone's story was there was someone involved. It was, there was a teacher, there was even a stranger that just kind of invited them. They got a flyer, like, but there was always a person involved in their being brought to Jesus. And so today, as we get ready for Easter Sunday, but even more so, if you're following Christ, I want to encourage you this morning and show you the beautiful privilege that you and I have to be what I'll call bringers. Now, I know what you're thinking. That doesn't sound like an English word. Well, today it is, and I'm going to define it because I made it up, I think. The word bringer simply means someone who brings. <laughs> That's it. Just real easy. Oh, it's a bringer. A bringer is someone who brings. And today, what I want to do is I want to encourage you to consider that God has invited you to be a bringer, to be someone who brings other people to Jesus. Now, if you've ever considered bringing someone to Jesus before, if you've ever thought about having a conversation with someone, maybe you might say it's called sharing your faith or, or, or just giving them the message of Jesus, there's probably a feeling that wells up in you, and it's one that I can relate to. And here's the feeling that comes up in us whenever we think about being a bringer, the word and feeling uncertainty. Anyone ever feel a little uncertain when you're getting ready to share Jesus with someone? It's all right, just me. I'll, I'll preach to myself for the next 20 minutes. I'm, I need to hear this. But you know that feeling, like all of a sudden, it's not butterflies in your stomach. It's more like pterodactyls, and you're getting really nervous and sweaty. 
and you're like, oh my goodness, I hope this goes well. I just, I'm going to go for it. I'm finally going to do it. I'm going to invite them. I'm going to tell them God loves them. And, and you're trying to come up with ways that you can segue in and they're talking about the weather and you're ready to respond with, I know the God who sends the rain on the just and the unjust. And you're like, well, that'd be weird. I probably shouldn't go that way. And they can't find their keys. And you're like, you need the keys to the kingdom. Like that's really what you need. And you're trying to, you're trying to like just, okay, this will be smooth. And, and then you go for it and it is awkward and it's messy, and you're like, great, now I need new friends. I am never getting invited over again. Okay, we're going to just call that uncertainty. They're just going to label all of that. The fear, the worry, the anxiety about it, the I don't know if they'll ask me a hard question. I don't know if I'll have the right answer. I don't know if I'm qualified to do this. We're going to call all that uncertainty. And here's what I want to say first. Uncertainty, when you're going to be a bringer, comes with being a bringer. Okay, you, you have to today just accept that you're going to feel uncertain at times when you go to bring someone the gospel and bring them to Jesus. That's, so if we can accept that and say, okay, yes, I'm going to be uncertain. And in the uncertainty, I'm still going to choose to be a bringer. We are going to discover the joy and the beauty of being bringers for Jesus today. Now, before we read about this in God's word, we are going to take a test. So welcome to class, everybody. Uh, and you don't have to take the test if you don't want to. You can play along, but I do have a Starbucks gift card here. So there's a prize. Um, I don't know how much is on it. It could have nothing on it. I took it off the counter. So that's how it works, right? So I need this for a sermon illustration. If you're like, yeah, I got scammed at church. I couldn't even get a coffee. Uh, but here, here's the test we're going to take. And again, you can play along if you'd like to. You don't have to. Um, but we're going to take an eight-question discipleship test. So I'm going to say the name of a person. And if you believe that person is one of the 12 called disciples, just one of the 12, yourself, you're in church, no lying, no cheating. Don't look at your neighbor. Like, what are they doing? Okay, just keep score however many you get right. And if you don't think that it's a disciple, don't raise your hand. Most score is eight, and we're going to have some fun with this. Okay, so here, we'll start off this way. James. If you think James was a disciple, go ahead and throw your hand up. Throw your hand up if you think James. If not, keep it down. Okay, survey says, yes, James was a disciple. So if you put your hand up, you have one point. You are currently in the lead of your neighbor who kept their hand down. Good luck. Good job. Uh, Jerry. Jerry. <laughs> Softball, but you never know. Okay, no, Jerry was not one of the 12 disciples. If you kept your hand down, you have two points. If you lifted it for that one, I want to hang out with you because you're fun. <laughs> David, one of the 12, one of the 12, some hands up, some hands down. Okay. And no, not one of the 12, not one of the 12. That's right. Next one, Bart. Bart, Bart, one of the 12. Bart Simpson, Homer, Mar Maggie. Yes, Bart was one of, I don't know, Maggie, Margie, one of the 12. Bart was, it was Bartholomew. I have the microphone. I can change the rules and shorten their names when need to. So yes, okay, we're at, we're at three. How about Drew? If you think Drew was one of the 12 disciples. Oh, now you're catching on. Andrew, very good, okay. That's four. Judas, Judas, one of the 12. Everyone knows the guy that betrayed our Savior. What? All right, yes, he was one of the 12 uh, okay, Paul. Paul, a couple hands. Paul was not one of the 12. He came later. He was very Jewish before he came to Jesus. And then he became one of the apostles. Um, and last one, Simon. 
Simon. Simon says, Simon's yes. Simon is one of the 12. Okay, so did anybody, honestly, people, anyone get eight right? All eight right. Didn't fail. Okay, Sam is, and who else? Matt, who else? And Scott, okay, now it's time for birthdays. When's your birthday? January? September? June is closest to April. Do we all agree on that? Matt gets it. All right, let's give it up for Matt. I don't know when months of the year are. There you go, Matt. When you use that, you're going to owe them things, so just beware. <laughs> We're having some fun. Okay. So here, here we are. What did that have to do with anything? Well, we're establishing who some of the disciples were, and we're going to see out of that list, two of them actually make such a big difference that I'm going to try to convince you that the, even the fact that you're here today is because one of them chose to be a bringer. And so what I want you to see today is your decision to either be a bringer or not could have beautiful impact eternally in people's lives for Jesus. And that is awesome. So let's read about some of these disciples. John chapter 1, verse 35. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. And when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, and I want you to say this with me, look, the Lamb of God. I want you to remember that, the Lamb of God. What's happening here is the John we're reading about is John the baptizer, and he has disciples because he is a teacher, a rabbi, and so he has followers of his. And two of them are with him. And when he sees Jesus, he makes this declaration that really changes everything. He says, look, the Lamb of God. Now, what happens next when he makes that declaration? It says in verse 37, when the two disciples heard him say this, they what? What's the word? Followed him. They followed Jesus. Now, I want to pause because as I read this, I just sensed the Holy Spirit just showing me something beautiful in this moment. It's our church. When John declares Jesus over everything, the Lamb of God, and two of his disciples go to follow Jesus, the next verse doesn't say, and John was upset that his ministry was decreasing. And John was angry that people were leaving him. And I sense the Holy Spirit to show me how Blaze Church has such a unifying culture for the church, both of Long Island and the world, that we continue to champion other churches. Like, you know that, like, every month, your radical generosity, we actually give not just overseas, but to local churches right around us in this community because we believe Jesus over everything. And, and I just see the humble attitude of John in this moment to say, look, there's Jesus. And I, I just want to bring that encouragement to you today, Blaze Church, that we're not, we're not competitors with any person. We just want to see Jesus lifted up. And if our vision truly is to see the east end of Long Island, know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference, we know it's going to take the church unified to see that happen. And so John just has that humble attitude. Two of his own go and follow Jesus. And here's what we read next in verse 38. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and he asked, what do you want? What do, what do you want? And they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Uh, you, you've done this before. What they're doing is they're kind of indirectly, low-key, finding out about Jesus's plans. You send out that feeler text, hey man, what are you up to? Right, you just, you just kind of like trying to say, you got any plans? Like, what are we gonna do? Like, and Jesus is like, you know, what do you guys want? Oh, we just wanna know where you're staying. Like, you know, 
And he responds indirectly. Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and they saw where he was staying and they spent the day with him. And it was about what time? Four in the afternoon. Four in the afternoon. Now, the next verse does not tell us what they did from four o'clock on. John doesn't record that for us. And there's a part of me that's like, John, I want to know, like, what did they talk about? What was that evening like for these two disciples following the Lamb of God for this short time? We don't know. But we do know that a few hours in the presence of Jesus caused one of the disciples to realize other people need to know him. We're going to see that. Here's the hope in this verse. If today you feel as if there's so much junk in your own life and so many bad decisions you've made, that you're almost wondering, you know, would God love me? Would God accept me? Do I have value? Do I have worth? I want you to realize the hope of just a moment with Jesus changes our lives. That's how good and gracious he is. That just one encounter for just one moment can change the course of your life forever. And so don't allow the past or even the present to stop you from what God wants to do in your future. God has a good plan for you. And these two disciples spend just half a day with Jesus. And it says in the next verse, Andrew, there's our boy Drew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John said and followed Jesus. Now look at the next verse. The first thing, say that with me. The first thing that Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah. That is the Christ. And he what? What's the word there? He brought him to Jesus. The first thing. The first thing, after just a few moments with Jesus, Andrew walks away from that experience and says, you know what the first thing I have to do is? I've got to be a bringer. I've got to bring someone else into the presence of this Jesus. And that should give us hope. It certainly gives me hope because Andrew had no formal training. He didn't take any class on how to share his faith. Well, that's good. He just didn't take it. He didn't have any kind of expert level degree on how he'll answer all the questions. He just had time with Jesus and knew the first thing I have to do is bring my brother to him. What if, as we get prepared for Easter, that is driving us to say, I've spent time with Jesus, and the first thing I have to do is bring others to him as well. And so he brought him. And the verse goes on to say, he brought him to Jesus, and Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. How many of you would say that you know of the apostle, the disciple Peter? You've heard that name before. Yeah, hands are going up. People are saying yes. Okay, so Peter. Let's talk about Peter. Peter's the guy who cut off an ear at a prayer service. Way to go, Peter. Peter's the guy that denied Jesus three times. All right, he, got, he has some issues. Peter's the guy that by faith walked on water towards Jesus. Peter was the one who made a declaration. You are the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God. I'm not following anyone else. 
And Jesus said, on that declaration, I'm building my church. You're going to be a part of it. Peter was one of the two, really three disciples, Peter, James, and John, that were so instrumental in starting the church after Jesus ascended. Peter was the one filled with the power of the Holy Spirit that prophesied and declared and spoke scripture so that 3,000 plus were saved in a day. Peter was the first person to go to an Italian and bring him the gospel. If you're Italian, you should be thankful for Peter. All right, I mean, he showed up at Cornelius' house, was like, listen, your chicken parm, we need that a part of our kingdom. So we're gonna, you're gonna be saved and bring it to the potluck. Like we want what you've got. Acts 10, Cornelius is saved. Peter in Acts 15 affirms the ministry of Paul the apostle. Who is Paul? He went across racial divide and started bringing the gospel to non-Jews. Paul wrote most of our New Testament. Peter was the apostle that said, yes, go preach the gospel. Peter, you have writing in your Bible that we call first and second Peter. You have letters from Paul which were validated because Peter put his hands on him and said, yes, preach, write. Peter, do you think that his brother Drew had any of that in mind when he made the decision that the first thing he would do is be a bringer? He couldn't have. He had uncertainty, because all of us do. Say, this is the Messiah, I'm bringing you to him. But he allowed the uncertainty to rest in this thought. What if I don't bring my brother to Jesus? And what if I do, who knows the impact he will make in this world? See, we know the impact that Peter's made. We're, we're experiencing it today. But before Peter, there was Drew, the bringer. And so that's why Today's message is called, Thank You, Drew. Man, thank you, Drew. Thank you that you chose to bring your brother Peter to Jesus. And thank you, Jesus, that you called him in that moment and changed his name and his identity, and he became a fisher of men. And now here we are, 2,000 years later, a part of the church of Jesus Christ. Who knew? Drew didn't. He couldn't have. He just knew the first thing I have to do is be a bringer. Now, we could sit here 2,000 years later and say, well, that's great that Drew did that, but does that really mean that every single one of us who say we're followers of Christ are called to be bringers, to go and invite people to Jesus? Isn't that just for like some people, like the experts, like the pastors, like the leaders, like those that are trained? Or is it really for every single person who says, I follow Christ? And I want to show you, I don't want to tell you, I want to just show you in Scripture what God's beautiful plan is for the people in your life who have yet to call on him and be saved. So the Apostle Paul writes what we call most of the New Testament, letters to churches. We're going to read from Romans in a minute. And what he's doing in this letter is he's giving a, just a beautiful explanation of the gospel. And if you don't know what the gospel is, the gospel is the good news that God the Father sent his son Jesus to this world to die on the cross, to pay the price for our sin, to rescue us and make us new. We say a new creation born again. And Paul is explaining this in his letter in Romans and all throughout the chapters and verses and he's writing and it's beautiful. And he gets to Romans 10 where he says, if you call on the name of the Lord, you're saved and confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you will be saved. And then on that note about you being saved through confession and belief, he writes this. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never 
heard about him. And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? Like, I love the way Paul writes this. He's just like hitting us with these questions to consider. Well, all right, I just told you, if you call the name of the Lord, you're saved. But wait a second, how will you call if you don't believe? And you can't believe if you don't hear. And you can't hear unless someone tells you. And he says in verse 15, and how will anyone go and tell without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. So Paul, through questions, is giving us God's plan for this world to know his son. Let me show it to you kind of in reverse order, starting with the last question and making it a statement. God sends, bringers go, bringers tell, hearers believe, believers call, and callers are saved. I know what you're thinking. That is not proper English. I'm thinking the same thing, but that's how I wrote it out. Come on, like God sends people and then we go and we tell and they hear and they believe and they call on him and they're saved. In his book, Radical, David Platt talks about this plan for the world to come to know God. I want to read you a portion of what he writes. Look at this progression and ask one question. Is there any place that can break down. Think about it, he writes. Obviously, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. No breakdown there. Everyone who believes will call. Many who hear will believe. People will hear the gospel when we preach it to them. And God is most definitely still in the business of sending his servants. That means there's only one potential breakdown in this progression. If this is a chain and each part is a link, there's one part where the link could come apart and the chain falls. And here's what he writes. The breakdown when servants of God do not preach the gospel to others. But for us today, when the bringers don't go, when we say, I'm not going to go, and this is beautiful, we are the plan of God and there is no plan B. That Biblical truth should not pressure us, but should excite us that God has said, I'm going to use people, I'm going to use the church to display my gospel to this world. Do you know throughout scripture, there's not a moment where someone in isolation comes to a revelation of Jesus Christ. Even Paul the apostle on the road to Damascus, when he is blinded by the light and hears Jesus It is another brother in the Lord, Ananias, who prays over him to receive his sight. Like God's always using people. From the very beginning, he's been using people. And isn't that so beautiful and invitational that God would look at us and say, sure, I mean, I could flicker the lights, little stranger things. I could put my name in the ceiling in the sky. I could do all of that, but I'm going to use people. I'm going to fill you with the power of my Holy Spirit and you are going to be on display for this world to know the gospel. It's awesome. It's God's plan. What do we read in verse 15? That is why the scriptures say how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. I've never looked at a foot and said, you know what? That's a beautiful foot. (laughs) Like maybe one of my kids were little, little, little feet, but then they get gross they smell. They're nasty. God looks at the feet of those who bring good news and says, man, that's beautiful. 
It's so beautiful to see a church mobilized, to see people on mission saying, I'm going to be a bringer. And yes, despite the uncertainty, I'm going to bring the gospel of Jesus to others. It's God's invitation to us. It's why we say, be a trailblazer. It's God's word. It's his will. John 3, 16. For God so loved what? The world. Some of it, part of it, the good parts, all of it. Peter writes, God's will is that none should perish, but all should have everlasting life. It's God's plan. And he's inviting you and I, followers of Jesus, to bring others to his son. Jesus shared a story. It's called a parable. A parable is just an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And he shares a story to illustrate what it looks like for God to want his house full, for people to come to know him. And in it, the the master is creating a wedding banquet and he sends out his servants to invite people to bring them in. And on the first go around, the people who are invited refuse. And so, yeah, there's going to be moments where when you and I are bringers, people are going to say, no, 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 thank you for inviting me, but, you know, I've, I've got stuff. Okay, that's going to happen. However, look at what the master then says to the servants when they return. Now, go out to the street corners and invite everyone you see. So the servants, what do they do? They brought them in. They brought in everyone they could find, good and bad alike. And the banquet hall was what? Filled with guests. How many, like the master in this parable, have a desire to see God's house filled with people? You've got people in your life that you know, they, man, I can't wait for the day when they surrender to Jesus. When they're made new, I can't, I can't wait for them to know his love, to know his plan, to live for him, to be born again. Guess what? That desire is in you as a follower of Christ because it's the heartbeat of your father. God is invitational. He's loving this world and saying, come follow my son. And he's doing it through the church. Servants went out. So in two weeks, Easter Sunday, one of the two times of the year where it is just more probable for people to say, sure, I'll go to church. Sure, I'll check it out. So as bringers today, we want to be all in as a church to say, I'm going to bring someone with me. So here's my prayer for you. Here's the declaration that I want you to make this morning and only make it if it's, it's really where you are. To leave this space saying this, I am a bringer. I, I am going to be someone who brings someone specifically in two weeks on Easter Sunday. So what we have up here are our Easter invite kits for this year. And uh, shout out to our dream team that came through this past week to help us put all these together. Super grateful. Your radical generosity enabled us to create these. And inside each one of these kits is everything that that person needs so that they might know what's going on in two weeks. And and we kind of went with a a seed, a spring grow theme here. So they already have the can they can plant their seed in. There's a pack of seeds. There's a little gardening shop. There's jelly beans. There's candy. there's, There's a whole bunch of great stuff in here. And, and we were smart, everybody. We labeled, there's two seeds. There's seeds to eat and seeds to plant. So none of your friends will like grow produce inside of them. Okay. So don't worry about that. There's sunflower seeds to eat and other ones to plant. But here's what I'm saying for you, for all of us this year, 
In just a moment, our worship team is going to come up and they're going to lead us in a song of response. And during that time, if you're saying, I'm going to be a bringer this year, doesn't mean I'm an expert. I've had no training, never done this before. Neither did Andrew. But I can, I can give a friend a gift. I, I, I can do that. To say, actually, so that way it's going to be intentional. So here's the Easter invite kit, and here's what you're going to say when you hand this gift to somebody over the next two weeks. Here's what you're going to say. I want to bring you to church with me this Easter. Okay, let's practice that. I'm going to explain why this matters. Ready? Here we go. I want to bring you to church with me this Easter. Okay. Here's why I'm encouraging you to say that when you hand them the gift. Oftentimes, when I've invited somebody to church, it's felt awkward and messy. And I've done, here, I've done something like this, like, hey, um, you should come to church with me. <laughs> That's it. You can walk away. That's what I've done. And the person is left confused of what just happened. And I feel like a good Christian. I did it. <laughs> I, I did it, God. I did it. It was awkward. It was weird. And you should come to church with me. And that's it. Okay. So why this? I want to bring you to church with me this Easter. This phrase, which is really a heart, puts the onus on you, the bringer, not the person that you're inviting. Because what are you saying? I want to bring you. Which means, hey, I'm going to pick you up that morning to come to church with me. Hey, after church, it's Easter. Let's grab coffee. Let's grab lunch. And I, we all, maybe you have family plans. I get it. Move them. I'll just make them later. Make them later. Go at three o'clock. Come on, why, why not be a little bit inconvenienced for the fact that this person who doesn't know Jesus on Resurrection Sunday, can I preach a little like I'm an old school Pentecostal preacher? I grew up Assemblies of God. It's not about the bunny. It's not about the lamb and the mint jelly, although I am very excited for lamb and mint jelly. It, it's not about that on that day. It's about we're worshiping a resurrected Savior, and there's people who don't know him. So if I could be a little inconvenienced to say, I'll go out of my way to pick you up when gas costs $20 a gallon, I'll do it. And I'll buy you coffee, and I'll get lunch with you after. And we'll talk about the service because I'm going to be a bringer and I don't know the impact this will have in your life, but I'm going to believe it's going to be big and beautiful. Yes. That's being a bringer. Jesus has invited us to that. And while there's uncertainty, come on, isn't there some excitement in us too? Like who knows God's going to use me to forever change that person's life to change their marriage, to change their parenting, to change their singleness, to change the course that they're on. Be a bringer this year. Be a bringer. And so I'm going to ask everyone to stand up. Our worship team is going to join me up here. We're going to sing out a song to the Lord. And as we sing, don't hesitate. There's some on this side for this side. There's some over here for this side. Come up and, and you can grab one. And here's what I'm going to say. Just grab one. Just grab one. Hold on. Don't start yet. I know. You're just so excited. So here's what I'm going to say is once we start singing, uh, take a gift and please just take one gift, every single person. And here's why. If every person commits to bringing one person, that's a big difference, isn't it? And, and I want you to walk with this person. In fact, our small groups two weeks ago just started praying for their one. 
So if you're in a small group, you've already been kind of doing this with your small group. Hey, who's that one person that you're inviting? And I believe that God is going to do something amazing in you, maybe for the first time as you're a bringer, and in the life of that person. How awesome that God has said, go preach the gospel. And so I'm going to pray, and then our worship team will start singing. And as they start again, just kind of come up, grab a gift, and then bring it back to your seat. And as we sing out this song, hear are the words of this song that talks about the church of Jesus Christ getting started and, and the gospel going out and our King of Kings being worshiped. And this Easter, you're going to be a part of someone's life being changed. Do you believe that today? I believe it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that you are a God who brings people in to himself, that you sent your so that the lost might be found, so that those who are blind might see, so that the dead might be alive in Jesus Christ. And we have the privilege this Easter to be bringers. I pray over every one of these gifts right now, God, that they would go to the right hands, that the person who receives these gifts would know that they are loved, that they are called by you, and that they would have a soft heart to say, yes, I will go with you on Easter Sunday. I pray over every bringer in this space, that every person here would say, yes, what a beautiful opportunity to bring people the hope of the gospel. Lord, we are expecting great things as the gospel goes out and as people call on your name. May we, like Drew, make the first thing we do be to bring others to Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. Why don't we give God some good praise this morning just for who he is.